Lots happened since the last time we talked, including the city councils uh, finally getting around to approving the uh, funding for Poplar Place to help with uh, renovating some of those buildings, demolishing others of them, redoing the roads over there. Uh, this has been such a troubled area of town for a long time. How confident are you we're not throwing good money after bad at Poplar Place? Oh, well, all you have to do is look at Madison Park Place. The same management company or developer had done Madison Park Place from John Hay Homes. So I have uh, extreme confidence that we'll reach that point as a throw-in to that development. They were asked to take this on, and I think it's, uh, you know, everybody can see what shape that's in. But now they do have funding through IDA, Illinois Housing Development Authority, and and we have a part to play. So uh, they'll have the resources necessary to um, really uh, lessen the density and also redevelop the whole area. So it's going to really be an improvement to that area. No question, Madison Park Place is a success story, but it was so completely revamped from the old John Hay homes. They knocked everything down, put up completely different housing there. I know some of that's going to happen here, but this is still an area with a, uh, a reputation that, uh, let's uh, let's just say, is not particularly favorable here. Do we need to have a complete rebranding of Poplar Place to uh, to really make people willing to uh, to venture into that? Well, that is part of the project as a whole is, you know, renaming it, uh, rebranding, if you will. Uh, we're going to bury the power lines and, you know, trees have been removed. And so there will be the aesthetics improvements that go along with the housing as well. And they're changing. Um, let's see, I think there's, uh, you know, 50 duplexes will be changed into single-family housing. And then you'll only have uh, 25 remaining duplexes uh, with the community center and uh, common spaced areas, so it will be a dramatic transformation than what it currently looks like today. Right now, there's um, oh, 250 units in its entirety, and they're all duplex, and so it will be um, scaled back to 100 units of housing. And when's the target date for completion on that? That will be um, in two years, 18 okay. months, two years, but, you know, with the supply change, I'd put it more towards the two-year time frame. We'll start uh, this winter, you know, with demolition happening, and then, uh, you know, really moving the dirt will take place this spring and uh, move forward in that direction. It's part of what's been a, a pretty persistent and even an accelerated uh, push uh, by the city in recent months to start to deal with some of these uh, dilapidated and troubled properties. Another part of that uh, is your push to create a land bank. And, Mayor, I'll be honest, I've listened to several weeks worth of debate on this. I'm still not sure I really quite understand what this is or why it's needed. The city has been holding on, obviously, to some properties that you've had to acquire because it was delinquent on taxes or just had simply fallen into disrepair. Uh, what's different by doing this as a, quote, land bank, unquote, and how will it make it easier for the city to uh, finally get these properties back onto the tax rolls and turn them into something productive? Well, the uh, it's a land bank. The term land bank's not even codified in city code, so that's what we're doing in, um, you know, outlining the, um, the process in itself and prioritizing it um, by making that through city code. The uh, most recent changes, any sell of property actually will go to, uh, you know, reinvesting into these dilapidated properties. And that was uh, probably one of the biggest changes as opposed to just having it go to the corporate fund. But again, it's, you know, to codify the process in city code and then start the on the forefront with regards to redevelopment. Right now, you know, people say, well, we have a 
uh, we have an inventory of land that we've acquired either through city demolition, but uh, more recently with TSP Hope, they weren't able to keep up and maintain the properties they had, so it did go to the tax sale. So these were already off the property tax rolls. Same with Dina's Park. They're heading that direction as well. So we have over 300 properties that um, we want to get our hands around and move forward in a positive direction. So this is the first step in that process to um, make the uh, make it work towards a redevelopment and get them back on the tax rolls. Looming over all of this, and this will factor into a couple of questions later on as well, is we're sitting in some pretty uncertain economic times right now. Interest rates going up and up and up, which probably makes it more difficult for a developer to come in, uh, buy on uh, these properties to take on the uh, the, the costs of uh, borrowing that it would require to do that. Uh, so how confident are you the city's not going to be saddled with literally hundreds of parcels of land indefinitely? Well, that's the whole key to the redevelopment, and that's the partnership we have now with Bloomberg Harvard. Uh, Saeed Joshi, she's uh, selected Springfield. There are seven cities selected for a model project, and ours is one of those anchor projects, if you will, uh, that was selected, and it's a whole block redevelopment. And so that's, and we've covered that already, so I'm not going to dive into details, but the whole intent is to uh, save dilapidated properties that would be torn down otherwise and then uh, assist individuals on the block that would need assistance upgrade their housing as well as do infill construction. So uh, the whole key to it, as you pointed out, is with this changing economic times is having the financial resources to make that happen. And so the key component, especially with home buyers, that's what we'd like to do in these to stabilize areas of um, targeted areas that have a lot of rental property, turn them back to home ownership. And the only way to really do that is through partnerships with public-private partnerships and how you can uh, put the resources in and hopefully buy down the uh, rate, if you will, uh, with regards to investment so someone would purchase the property that typically wouldn't appraise in that area. And that's the way that you can stabilize the area and move it to a better direction through home ownership. How much does that take uh, in city resources to be able to do that? Again, accounting for the fact that uh, some borrowers may be priced out of the market with the high interest rates right now. Well, there's resources through Illinois Housing Development Authority as far as first-time homebuyers. There may be some other type of um, homebuyer assistance that might be coming uh, right now. I think uh, the governor did roll out uh, for individuals that are struggling with their own housing payments now. They do have uh, funds available for those individuals through Illinois Housing and Development Authority. So you can go online and find out more information about that. But uh, for ourselves, uh, we're looking to partner with uh, Justine Peterson uh, to see if we can create a loan program that would fit this niche market and move in that direction. So uh, the other side that we have is TIF dollars. We have community development block grant funds through housing and urban development. And then we do have ARPA funds that uh, could be used for housing redevelopment as well and move and help in those efforts. Another question along the lines of housing has to do with the uh, ongoing unresolved situation with the Wyndham downtown. Uh, we were told a few weeks back that the owner, Al Rajabi, had uh, still a, a deal with the New York developer through the end of October and wasn't making any moves yet, but now we're in November. So what do you know about where that stands right now? Do Rajabi and the v- developer still have a deal where they might try to pursue some number of uh, uh, apartments with 
with hotel rooms, even though that's been shot down multiple times by the council? Or is Rajabi moving in a different direction now? Well, they are zoned for, which they have been originally, for 200 apartments and 200 hotel rooms. Uh, the purchaser does not want to, you know, run a hotel side of things. Uh, Rajabi had a um, kind of a structure in place with uh, Delta Marriott on the hotel side. And so I have talked to both entities, but more recently with David Mitchell, um, who wants to do the apartment side. And, um, you know, he said uh, he's putting numbers together and trying to work through it to see if it's palatable uh, to upgrade the uh, facility, you know, because it still has heating and air conditioning that needs to be upgraded if it makes sense to move in that direction for himself. And if not, uh, of course, um, we'll have to work with uh, Al Rajabi and see uh, if we can keep it as a hotel as much as possible. The leverage point we do have is with the parking ramp, of course, uh, with that agreement. It does uh, say in there that, you know, it has to uh, be for the uh, running the hotel. But again, that's 200 hotel uh, rooms and move in that direction. So uh, we'll have those discussions. As it, but it's my understanding right now it's still in limbo, uh, pending what David Mitchell would like to do. I think that's what Mr. Rajabi's waiting for. Do Rajabi and Mitchell still have an agreement in place that didn't expire at the end of October? I mean, does Mitchell still have the option of, uh, of moving ahead with uh, some number of hotel rooms uh, and some uh, part of being converted to apartments? Well, again, I'll have to follow up with Mr. Rajabi, but my understanding that, uh, you know, I'm sure if David Mitchell says, I want that hotel for the set amount that they said they would do, I'm sure uh, Mr. Rajabi would uh, take him up on it because uh, with the rising interest rate um, environment that we're in, I don't think buyers are lining up um, as they weren't lining up previously. Has he given you any sort of a timeline for when he uh, needs to or wants to make a decision as to whether he'd try to convert the whole thing into government subsidized housing or not? Oh, you mean the 200 units um, of housing? Well, I've talked to him, uh, Mr. Rajabi, after uh, the zoning wasn't approved. And again, I expressed uh, you know, the need to keep it market rate if he goes that direction. And uh, what can we do to retain the hotel rooms and keep the hotel side open? And that's, again, you know, one of the reasons I brought the uh, resolution for a casino, because then it show an option or a potential option in the future that might uh, create value for retaining the hotel in operation. Uh, so that's what's needed. But time will tell on that. And, um, you know, we'll emphasize the need for it. But again, it come, uh, it really comes down to what's his financial ability to uh, retain the expense of the hotel side if the uh, room occupancy remains uh, what it was previously, which was you know around 30%. Mayor, a moment ago, you talked about your resolution, uh, a statement of support by the city council in favor of a casino as originally drafted for a downtown casino to be part of a downtown entertainment district there. There's been some resistance from Alderman, and that resolution has been stalled in committee for a couple of weeks now. We understand that uh, you are uh, looking to possibly modify it. Can you give us an update on uh, what you're thinking is and will we see this resolution resurface at some point yeah um yeah so it will resurface it's you know in committee uh with regards to the resolution in itself the pushback came from oh some of the uh, bar owners uh, that have video gaming and we had a meeting with them saying that you know my intent was to restrict video gaming so we changed that language and then of course the other side says well you need video gaming for the casino to move forward 
And uh, my contention is somebody's going to want a license if you're allowing sports betting and table games, and that's the only entity in town that can do that. So uh, there is value with regards to that. So the next step is, uh, I think it's a week from today, next Monday, uh, we will be, I think it's at Motorheads, meeting with the um, uh, Central Illinois Liquor and uh, Beverage Association and having a, I don't know if it's a panel discussion or if we'll just uh, discuss my intention with regards to the resolution. But the intent, again, is, you know, we had a three-and-a-half-hour discussion about the value of the hotel, of the Wyndham, and, you know, it's a, uh, you know, 400 rooms there. And the best way you can make sure you retain the value of that is to offer options that would bring uh, hotel use down. And one of those would be casino. You expand the convention center. Um, and have that option anyway, and that'd be up to the city council to exercise that if the legislature would grant us that option of having a casino license. So you're thinking a casino with no video slot machines whatsoever? Uh, Correct, if that's what it takes to uh, make that happen, because right now there's no sports betting. You know, you can't go into a place and uh, have sports betting, even though it's accelerated in uh, revenues on online, and then the other side of it is you know, more of a traditional with table games, you know, the roulette rule, craps table, things of that nature. And I think there'd be a an, an opportunity to capitalize on that. But again, it, what we're talking about is at least give us the option. I know in talking to Mr. Rajabi, going back to the Wyndham, uh, previously, if uh, you know there was attempts uh, back when Alderman Proctor was on the council to. Uh, have a potential casino license, and um, that was the area way back when that was designated. But again, uh, having that value, uh, he said, would make a difference in um, you know his ability to keep it open as a hotel or move that direction. But again, uh, what we're talking about is just give us the option of get, having a casino license. Then the city council, if if and when uh, it was decided to move forward, uh, we would decide where it would be best fit. Has anybody looked at other communities with casinos? I mean, they have video gaming in bars and restaurants, too, and it seems like they're able to do both at the same time. Has anybody looked to see whether, in fact, bars and restaurants really get hurt uh, with the, with a casino in town? Uh, that's that's what the uh, claim was with the uh, Central Illinois Liquor and Beer Association. So going back to your original question, how do you get the resolution through? You have to address that question with regards to the uh, uh, restaurant and bar owners that have concerns and you know those are legitimized basically by people that want to open businesses anymore it seems like it used to be you'd open up a restaurant and then have video gaming now they want to open up uh, have video gaming uh, and then at a restaurant so they can get that license so it's kind of upside down but there is value right now we are saturated market with uh, video gaming I think over 700 games here in Springfield so there's plenty of video gaming um, but they have claimed that it does uh, hurt, would hurt their businesses, and it's hurt other cities' businesses. That Mayor, uh, we've been waiting for a, a few weeks now. We were expecting an update from the Regional Planning Commission about their recommendations for the zoning of cannabis craft grow operations after there was some pushback to a proposal to put one in a site zoned industrial but would have been closer than what is ordinarily allowed to uh, homes or schools or churches. Uh, and we thought it'd be coming in October, but we haven't seen it yet. Do you know when you'll get that update from regional planning? Yeah, that should be coming next uh, week or so. I did talk to uh, Molly Burns from regional planning, and I think they've fine-tuned it. Uh, We haven't sat down with her prior to the council meeting to see if there's any other questions. So 
Um, we hope to do that within the next week or two and then have the presentation to the city council based on their recommendations. Well, uh, not to uh, throw a spoiler in there, but can you give us any indication as to whether they're going to recommend a more lenient uh, uh, setback option here to allow some of these businesses to get off the ground here in Springfield? Yeah, that's what I'm not sure about. Uh, it's just in passing, so I really don't know at this point in time. But the whole intent is to see if um, what we asked specifically was industrial areas. You know, taking a look at uh, if there are size requirements that you would need or what would make sense to make uh, facilities within industrial areas that are currently sitting vacant. Is there a way to utilize those properties uh, to put them back into operation, you know, put them back in the tax world to greater capacity uh, with the cannabis uh, craft grow. And so that's what we asked them to take a look at. But I don't know the specifics of anything they had come up with with regards to that as of yet. We did see uh, an approval from the city council for yet another recreational cannabis dispensary on the north end of Springfield. The Maribus will open and they'll close their Grandview store. And we uh, talked to uh, an executive with uh, with that company, somebody working with the company, who indicated he's also still interested in pursuing an on-site consumption lounge for the Maribus facility in the old uh, AMC Parkway Point Theater. Uh, do you see any chance that the council could go along with that? And would you support the idea of an on-site cannabis consumption lounge in that facility? Yeah, I think um, it depends on the details, of course, and uh, I'm not familiar with the consumption part of it, uh, so that's something we'd have to take a look at. I think the greatest concern would be, of course, uh, you know, just like driving uh, when you exit, but the other side of it is, you know, the smell and things of that nature, um, how things would be contained, how you assure there's, you know, um, you know, Minor, you know, restrictions with regards to minors being in the area, things of that nature. So I think, uh, again, it depends on the details of it. Uh, we'd keep our options open. We, uh, on a different subject now, we saw a report uh, last week from environmental groups talking about uh, alleged uh, groundwater contamination from the coal ash ponds at City Water Light and Power. There's been an ongoing dispute with the U.S. EPA about the timeline uh, to finally retire those ponds once and for all, whether it's going to be uh, to move things out uh, to a, a landfill that's prepared to handle it or the, the city's plan, which is to simply seal them in place there. Uh, but the timeline from the EPA could create real problems for both the electric and the water side of the utility. Is there any update on that? Have you gotten any response at all from EPA on altering that timeline? Where do we stand now? No, we haven't uh, received a response back yet. I um, did ask Doug Brown to uh, get with Hanson. That's our consulting engineering group here in town to uh, do a follow-up uh, presentation to the city council so everybody can be on the same page but to my knowledge nothing's really changed as of yet but we're hoping to hear back from the epa um sooner than this so we may have to you know schedule a call um to see what the determining factor is but we're moving ahead with as planned uh, originally we had the consultants come in and offer two options, did the plug bullet hearing and everything, and it was recommended to cap in place. So that's what we intend to move forward in that direction um, uh, because the essential use of the utility, one of them is water. And so uh, that things would shut down, that means shutting down our water supply, and that's not acceptable.
Uh, that report indicated that we had uh, levels of arsenic in groundwater 14 times what would normally be considered an acceptable level. Uh, similar uh, excessive amounts of boron there, another pretty dangerous chemical. How concerned are you about that? Uh, and that's before, of course, these ponds are even uh, are even sealed. But uh, uh, how concerned are you about that level of uh, alleged contamination and what it could mean environmentally around uh, around that area? On the uh, groundwater, we have a surface water lake, and so uh, we'd have to see the specifics of that. I'm not sure if they're, uh, you know, have specific findings just to our ash ponds, and um, you know, that's one of the precious assets, of course, is a water resource. So um, that's something that uh, you know everybody's attuned to, and that's why we want to take the appropriate steps to meet the guidelines set forth by the U.S. EPA. And one of those is capping in place. The other option is removing the coal ash, if you can imagine this, and trucking it out. And so it's a real fine substance. And then you're dumping it elsewhere. So you're creating another issue. I don't think you're, you're just moving an issue. And so I think that's why that wasn't an acceptable option. Uh, so that's where the cap in place was more amenable. And that's the direction, you know, per U.S. EPA guidelines that we're moving towards. Uh, also related to the utility, uh, recently uh, City Council approved money for a study to try to figure out how to avoid future problems like we saw last fall with taste and odor issues with the drinking water at City Water Light and Power. Uh, as best as, as I'm hearing so far, at least we've been pretty lucky this year. We haven't had some of those uh, same issues. Maybe hasn't gotten quite as cold as it did uh, early on last year. Uh, are we? Are you hearing any concerns that we could see a replay at any point this fall? Or are we? Are we just getting lucky this year? Well, I don't think it's uh, to the magnitude it might have been last year, uh, but it's been uh, definitely a different fall than what we've experienced previously. We've had a warmer fall, and so time will still tell. But, you know, um, we have thousands of customers, tens of thousands of customers. So um, any individual, it could be, you know, could come up. It, you don't want even one instance. And that's why we're fortunate to have uh, CWLP and our water resource, and people get accustomed to that great-tasting water. And, um, you know, some are more sensitive than others, but uh, that's one of the reasons for the study is to – let us determine what the other options are out there so we can be proactive to make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, to, it doesn't matter to if it's one or uh, hundreds or thousands. You just don't want that uh, happening if you can prevent it. Mayor, earlier in the program, you uh, we were talking about uh, the fact that we're in some uh, fairly tight economic times right now. Interest rates going up. There are concerns of a possible economic slowdown, maybe even a recession in the uh, in the coming year. Against that backdrop, you're going to have to start working pretty soon on a new city budget that would take effect next March 1st. So. Uh, do you have a sense yet as to what that budget might look like and how much belt tightening might have to happen in the coming year for the city of Springfield? Well, we've been uh, extremely um, conservative, if you will, with regards to uh, prior to the pandemic. We had some tough economic times. You know, we went two years without a state budget and uh, positioned ourselves as best as possible. Um, you know, and coming out of the pandemic, we we're in good financial shape, but, you know, we didn't go crazy with regards to spending. Uh, through our reserves, of course, we were able to uh, allocate funds to build the fire stations, uh, the uh, fire engines, uh, purchase those. Same with uh, police technology and the cars, things of that nature. Uh, but that's how we're progressing is uh, making sure that we 
do it in a frugal uh, manner uh, with regards to uh, future expenses. So this upcoming budget, there will be some uh, capital expenditures uh, just to put us in a better position towards the future and looking towards that, uh, making sure that um, we can move forward with the services that people expect and deserve. Can you elaborate on that, capital expenditures? Yeah, one is uh, on Clear Lake. Uh, I think the city council recently passed the purchase of some acreage over there by uh, where Public Works currently has a garage. We want to uh, rebuild uh, the garage and then also, um, you know, eventually the drop-off where the limbs and leaves are currently taking place um, out by the airport. Uh, eventually, that's going to reach its capacity where we would move it over to the Clear Lake uh, previously. It was thought that the owner might not proceed with that business, and so that's why we went ahead and purchased that uh, with regards to public works and getting ready for that point in time. The other one is T&D, our transmission distribution center for CWLP. It's being somewhat impacted by the rail, but uh, we need to build it to today's standards with the uh, NERC and FERC regulations, and that will be off of a... Uh, Oh, um, uh, Dirksen Parkway. Uh, one uh, area of revenue that you have foregone the last couple of years, of course, is revenue from parking meters downtown. I know I ask you this periodically. Uh, we know that we've got free parking through the end of this year, but have you made a determination yet as to whether or not you're going to start charging uh, people to uh, park at meters again in the new year? Well, we haven't reached that uh, decision as of yet. Uh, really, the purpose of having parking downtown, the meters downtown, is to move traffic for retailers, things of that nature. But unfortunately, with the state not fully operational downtown to its full capacity, uh, we haven't had that great of need. But uh, through the holidays, we offer free parking annually anyway, so we're going to keep it that way through the first of the year and then uh, make a determination if we want to bring it back in the spring. Uh, but when we do, it have to be, one, is how do you bring it back? Uh, the meters need to be upgraded and to what level. Uh, it's all about convenience for me and how best you make that happen with accepting cards, things of that nature, or, you know, do we find an alternative? So that's going to be reassessed over the winter months to make a determination with Downtown Springfield, Inc., and Public Works to see what the best solution is as we move forward with the retailers and finding that solution. Mayor, only about a minute left. Uh, last uh, meeting, uh, uh, Scott Dahl uh, gave a pretty big presentation about uh, Route 66 Centennial plans. A lot of big ideas there for signage and uh, interactive exhibits and things like that. Do we have a budget for that yet? Do you know how much it might cost to, uh, to achieve all those plans? And are all those plans, in fact, achievable by the uh, 2026 Centennial? Well, I think it all uh, remains to be seen as far as, you know, with the sports complex. It's my understanding that they could break ground as early as November or this month or, you know, next month. And then, uh, you know, once that becomes operational, brings a new revenue source or a de added revenue source with hotel motel sales tax dollars, things of that nature. But with regards to funds specifically for Route 66, there are some that we have applied for. That's how we were able to secure funds out the fairgrounds and move forward in that direction. So there'll be grant opportunities combined with hotel, motel, tax dollars that will be generated and what we can do uh, from our own budget 